Chapter Twenty Four of the Riddle of the Sands. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gesine. The Riddle of the Sands by Erskine Childers. Chapter Twenty Four, Finesse. The door of a room on the ground floor was opened to us by a manservant. As we entered, the rattle of a piano stopped, and a hot wave of mingled scent and cigar smoke struck my nostrils. The first thing I noticed over Davis's shoulder, as he preceded me into the room, was a woman, the source of the perfume, I decided, turning round from the piano as he passed it, and staring him up and down with a disdainful familiarity that I at once hotly resented. She was in evening dress, pronounced in cut and colour, had a certain exuberant beauty, not wholly ascribable to nature, and a notable lack of breeding. Another glance showed me Dolman, putting down a liqueur glass of brandy, and rising from a low chair with something of a start, and another von Brüning, lying back in a corner of a sofa, smoking. On the same sofa, vis-à-vis -vis to him, was, yes, of course it was, Clara Dolman, but how their surroundings alter people, I caught myself thinking. For the rest, I was aware that the room was furnished with ostentation, and was stuffy, with stove-engendered warmth. Davis steered a straight course for Dolman, and shook his hand with business-like resolution. Then he tacked across to the sofa, abandoning me in the face of the enemy. Mr. said Dolman. Carruthers. I answered distinctly. I was with Davies in the boat just now, but I don't think he introduced me. And now he has forgotten again, I added dryly, turning towards Davies, who, having presented himself to Fräulein Dollmann, was looking feebly from her to von Brüning, the picture of tongue-tied awkwardness. The commander nodded to me and stretched himself with a yawn. Von Brüning told me about you, said Dolman, ignoring my illusion, but I was not quite sure of the name. No, it was not an occasion for formalities, was it? He gave a sudden, mirthless laugh. I thought him flushed and excitable, yet, seen in a normal light, he was in some respects a pleasant surprise, the remarkable conformation of the head, giving an impression of intellectual power and restless, almost insanely restless, energy. "'What need?' I said. "'I have heard so much about you from Davis, and Commander von Brüning, that we seem to be old friends already.' He shot a doubtful look at me, and a diversion came from the piano. "'And now, for heaven's sake,' cried the lady of the perfume, "'let us join Herr Böhme at supper.' "'Let me present you to my wife,' said Dolman. "'So this was the stepmother.' unmistakably German, I may add. I made my bow, and underwent much the same sort of frank scrutiny as Davis, only that it was rather more favourable to me, and ended in a Carmen smile. There was a general movement and further introductions. Davis was led to the stepmother, and I found myself confronting the daughter with quickened pulses, and a sudden sense of added complexity in the issues. I had, of course, 
made up my mind to ignore our meeting of yesterday, and had assumed that she would do the same. And she did ignore it. We met as utter strangers, nor did I venture, for other eyes were upon us, to transmit any sign of intelligence to her. But the next moment I was wondering if I had not fallen into a trap. She had promised not to tell, but under what circumstances? I saw the scene again, the misty flats, the spruce little sailboat, and its sweet young mistress, fresh as a dewy flower, but blanched and demoralized by a horrid fear, appealing to my honour so to act that we three should never meet again, promising to be silent, but as much in her own interest as ours, and under that implied condition which I had only equivocally refused. The condition was violated, not by her fault or ours, but violated. She was free to help her father against us, and was she helping him? What troubled me was the change in her, that she, how can I express it without offence, was less in discord with her surroundings than she should have been, that in dress, pose, and manner, as we exchanged some trivialities, she was too near reflecting the style of the other woman, that, in fact, she in some sort realised my original conception of her, so brutally avowed to Davis, so signally, as I had thought, falsified. In the sick perplexity that this discovery caused me, I dare say I looked as foolish as Davis had done, and more so, for the close heat of the room and its tainted atmosphere, succeeding so abruptly to the wholesome nip of the outside air, were giving me a faintness which this moral check lessened my power to combat. Von Brüning's face wore a sneering smile that I winced under, and turning I found another pair of eyes fixed on me, those of Herr Böhme, whose squat figure had appeared at a pair of folding doors leading to an adjoining room. Napkin in hand, he was taking in the scene before him with fat benevolence, but exceeding shrewdness. I instantly noticed a faint red wheel relieving the ivory of his bald head, and I had suffered too often in the same quarter myself to mistake its origin, namely, our cabin doorway. "'This is the other young explorer, Böhme,' said von Brüning. "'Herr Davis kidnapped him a month ago, and bullied and starved him into submission. They'll drown together yet. I believe his sufferings have been terrible.' "'His sufferings are over,' I retorted. "'I've mutinied, deserted, haven't I, Davis?' I caught Davis gazing with solemn gaucherie at Miss Dolman. "'Oh, what?' he stammered. I explained in English. "'Oh, yes, Carruthers has to go home,' he said, in his vile lingo. No one spoke for a moment, and even von Brüning had no persiflage ready. "'Well, are we never going to have supper?' said Madame, impatiently and with that we all moved towards the folding doors. There had been little formality in the proceedings so far, and there was still less in the supper-room. Boomer resumed his repast with appetite, and the three of us sat down apparently at random, though an underlying method was discernible. As it worked out, Dolman was at one end of the small table, with Davis on his right and Boomer on his left, 
Frau Dollmann at the other, with me on her right and von Brüning on her left. The seventh personage, Fräulein Dollmann, was between the commander and Davis on the side opposite to me. No servants appeared, and we waited on ourselves. I have a vague recollection of various excellent dishes, and a distinct one of abundance of wine. Someone filled me a glass of champagne, and I confess that I drained it with honest avidity, blessing the craftsman who coaxed forth the essence, the fruit that harboured it, the sun that warmed it. "'Why are you going so suddenly?' said von Brüning to me across the table. "'Didn't I tell you we had to call here for letters? "'I got mine this morning, and among others a summons back to work. "'Of course I must obey.' "'I found myself speaking in a frigid silence. "'The annoying thing was that there were two letters, "'and if I had only come here two days sooner, "'I should have got the first, which gave me an extension.' "'You are very conscientious. How will they know?' "'Ah, but the second's rather urgent.' "'There was another uncomfortable silence, broken by Dolman. "'By the way, Herr Davis,' he began, "'I ought to apologise to you for—' "'This was no business of mine, and the less interest I took in it, the better, "'so I turned to Frau Dolman and abused the fog. "'Have you been in the harbour all day?' she asked. Then how was it he did not visit us? Was Herr Davis so shy? Curiosity or malice? Quite the contrary. But I was, I answered coldly. You see, we knew Herr Dollmann was away, and we really only called here to get my letters. Besides, we did not know your address. I looked at Clara and found her talking gaily to von Brüning, deaf seemingly to our little dialogue. "'Anyone would have told you it,' said Madame, raising her eyebrows. "'I dare say, but directly after breakfast the fog came on, and, "'well, one cannot leave a yacht alone in a fog,' I said, with professional solidity. "'Von Brüning picked up his ears at this. "'I'll be hanged if that was your maxim,' he laughed. "'You're too fond of the shore.' "'I sent him a glance of protest, as though to say— What's the use of your warning if you won't let me act on it? For, of course, my excuses were meant chiefly for his consumption, and Fräulein Dollmann's. That the lady I addressed them to, found them unpalatable, was not my fault. Then you sat in your wretched little cabin all day? she persisted. All day, I said brazenly. It was the safest thing to do and I looked again at Fräulein Dollmann, frankly and squarely. Our eyes met, and she dropped hers instantly, but not before I had learnt something, for if ever I saw misery under a mask, it was on her face. No, she had not told. I think I puzzled the stepmother, who shrugged her white shoulders, and said in that case she wondered we had dared to leave our precious boat and come to supper. "'if we knew Frisian fogs as well as she did.' "'Oh,' I explained, "'we were not so nervous as that, "'and as for supper on shore, "'if she only knew what a Spartan life we led.' "'Oh, for mercy's sake, don't tell me about it,' "'she cried with a grimace. "'I hate the mention of yachts. 
when I think of that dreadful Medusa coming from Hamburg. I sympathized with half my attention, keeping one strained ear open for developments on my right. Davis, I knew, was in the thick of it, and none too happy under Boomer's eye, but working manfully. My fault, sudden squall, quite safe, were some of the phrases I caught. While I was aware, to my alarm, that he was actually drawing a diagram of something with breadcrumbs and table-knives. The subject seemed to gutter out to an awkward end, and suddenly Boomer, who was my right-hand neighbour, turned to me. "'You are starting for England tomorrow morning?' he said. "'Yes,' I answered. "'There is a steamer at 8.15, I believe.' "'That is good. We shall be companions.' "'Are you going to England too, sir?' I asked, with hot misgivings. "'No, no, I am going to Bremen, but we shall travel together as far as—you go by Amsterdam, I suppose? As far as Lea, then. That will be very pleasant.' I fancied there was a ghoulish gusto in his tone. "'Very,' I assented. "'You are making a short stay here, then?' "'As long as usual.' I visit the work at Mehmet once a month or so, spend a night with my friend Dolman and his charming family. He leered round him, and return. Whether I was right or wrong in my next step I shall never know, but obeying a strong instinct. Mehmet, I said, do tell me more about Mehmet. We heard a good deal about it from Commander von Brüning, but— He was discreet, I expect, said Böhme. He left off at the most interesting part. "'What's that about me?' joined in von Brüning. "'I was saying that we're dying to know more about Mehmet, aren't we, Davis?' "'Oh, I don't know,' said Davis, evidently aghast at my temerity. "'But I did not mind that. "'If he roughed my suit, so much the better. "'I intended to rough his.' "'You gave us plenty of history, Commander, but you did not bring it up to date.' The Triple Alliance laughed, Dolman boisterously. "'Well,' said von Brüning, "'I gave you very good reasons, and you acquiesced.' "'And now he is trying to pump me,' said Böhme, with a rasping chuckle. "'Wait a bit, sir. I have an excuse. The Commander was not only mysterious, but inaccurate.' I appeal to you, Herr Dolman, for it was apropos of you. When we fell in with him at Benzazil, Davis asked him if you were at home, and he said no. When would you be back? Probably soon, but he did not know when. Oh, he said that? said Dolman. Well, only three days later we arrived at Norderney, and find you have returned that very day, but have gone to Mehmet. Again, by the way, the mysterious Mehmet. But more than ever mysterious now, for in the evening, not only you and Herr Böhme— What penetration! laughed von Brüning. But also Commander von Brüning pay us a visit in his launch, all coming from Mehmet. And you infer? said von Brüning. Why, that you must have known at Benzazil— only three days ago, exactly when Herr Dolman was coming back, having an appointment at Mehmet with him for today. Which I wished to conceal from you? 
"'Yes, and that's why I'm so inquisitive. "'It's entirely your own fault.' "'So it seems,' said he, with mock humility. "'But fill your glass and go on, young man. "'Why should I want to deceive you?' "'That's just what I want to know. "'Come, confess now. "'Wasn't there something important today at Mehmet? "'Something to do with the gold? "'You were inspecting it, sorting it, weighing it? "'Oh, I know!' "'You were transporting it secretly to the mainland.' "'Not a very good day for that. "'But softly, Herr Carruthers, no fishing for admissions. "'Who said we had found any gold?' "'Well, have you? There.' "'That's better. Nothing like candour, my young investigator. "'But I am afraid, having no authority, I cannot assist you at all. "'Better try Herr Böhme again. I'm only a casual onlooker.' "'With shares.' "'Ah, you remember that? "'He remembers everything. "'With a few shares, then, but with no expert knowledge. "'Now Boomer is the consulting engineer. "'Rescue me, Boomer.' "'I cannot disclaim expert knowledge,' said Boomer, with humorous gravity. "'But I disclaim responsibility. "'Now Herr Dolman is chairman of the company.' "'And I,' said Dolman, with a noisy laugh, "'must fall back on the shareholders, whose interests I have to guard. "'One can't be too careful in these confidential matters.' "'Here's one who gives his consent,' I said. "'Can't he represent the rest?' "'Extorted by torture,' said von Brüning. "'I retract.' "'Don't mind them, Herr Carruthers,' said Frau Dolman. "'They are making fun of you.' "'But I will give you a hint. "'No woman can keep a secret.' "'Ah!' I cried triumphantly. "'You have been there?' "'I? Not I. I detest the sea. "'But Clara has.' "'Everyone looked at Clara, "'who in her turn looked in naive bewilderment "'from me to her father. "'Indeed,' I said more soberly, "'but perhaps she is not a free agent.' "'Perfectly free,' said Dolman. "'I have only been there once, some time ago,' said she, "'and I saw no gold at all.' "'Guarded,' I observed. "'I beg your pardon. "'I mean that perhaps you only saw what you were allowed to see. "'And in any case, the Fräulein has no expert knowledge "'and no responsibility, and perhaps no shares. "'Her province is to be charming, not to hold financial secrets. "'I have done my best to help you.' "'said the stepmother. "'They are all against us, Davis.' "'Oh, chuck it, Carruthers,' said Davis, in English. "'He's insatiable,' said von Brüning, "'and there was a pause. "'Clearly they meant to elicit more. "'Well, I shall draw my own conclusions,' I said. "'This is interesting,' said von Brüning. "'In what sense?' "'It begins to dawn on me that you made fools of us at Benzazil. "'Don't you remember, Davis, what an interest he took in all our doings? "'I wonder if he feared our exploring propensities might possibly lead us to Mehmet.' "'Upon my word, this is the blackest ingratitude. "'I thought I made myself particularly agreeable to you.' "'Yes, indeed, especially about the duck-shooting. "'How useful your local man would have been— both to us and to you. Go on, 
said the commander, imperturbably. "'Wait a moment, I'm thinking it out.' And thinking it out, I was in deadly earnest. For all my levity, as I pressed my hand on my burning forehead, and asked myself where I was to stop in this seductive but perilous fraud. To carry it too far was to court complete exposure. To stop too soon was equally compromising. "'What is he talking about, and why go on with this ridiculous mystery?' said Frau Dollmann. "'I was thinking about this supper-party, and the way it came about,' I pursued slowly. "'Nothing to complain of, I hope,' said Dolman. "'Of course not. "'Impromptu parties are always the pleasantest, "'and this one was delightfully impromptu. "'Now I bet I know its origin. "'Didn't you discuss us at Mehmet? "'And didn't one of you suggest?' "'One would almost think you had been there,' said Dolman. "'You may thank your vile climate that we weren't,' "'I retorted, laughing. "'But, as I was saying,' "'Didn't one of you suggest, which of you, "'well, I'm sure it wasn't the commander?' "'Why not?' said Boomer. "'It's difficult to explain. "'An intuition, say. "'I am sure he stood up for us, "'and I don't think it was Herr Dollmann, "'because he knows Davis already, "'and he's always on the spot. "'And in short, I'll swear it was Herr Boomer, "'who's leaving early tomorrow "'and had never seen either of us. "'It was you, sir,' "'who proposed that we should be asked to supper tonight for inspection?' "'Inspection?' said Böhme. "'What an extraordinary idea!' "'You can't deny it, though. "'And one thing more. "'In the harbour just now. "'No, this is going too far. "'I shall mortally offend you.' "'I gave way to hearty laughter. "'Come, let's have it. "'Your hallucinations are diverting.' "'If you insist,' "'But this is rather a delicate matter. "'You know we were a little surprised to find you all on board, "'and you, Herr Boomer, did you always take such a deep interest in small yachts? "'I am afraid that it was at a certain sacrifice of comfort "'that you inspected ours.' "'And I glanced at the token he bore of his encounter with our lintel. "'There was a burst of pent-up merriment "'in which Dolman took the loudest share. "'I warned you, Boomer,' he said. The engineer took the joke in the best possible part. "'We owe you apologies,' he conceded. "'Don't mention it,' said Davis. "'He doesn't mind,' I said. "'I'm the injured one. "'I'm sure you never suspected Davis. "'Who could?' "'Who, indeed? "'I was on firm ground there. "'The point is, what did you take me for?' "'Perhaps we take you for it still,' said von Brüning. "'Oho! Still suspicious. Don't drive me to extremities.' "'What extremities? "'When I get back to London I shall go to Lloyd's. "'I haven't forgotten that flaw in the title.' "'There was an impressive silence. "'Gentlemen,' said Dolman, with exaggerated solemnity, we must come to terms with this formidable young man. What do you say? Take me to Mehmet, I exclaimed. Those are my terms. Take you to Mehmet? But I thought you were starting for England tomorrow. I ought to, but I'll stay for that. You said it was urgent. 
"'Your conscience is very elastic. "'That's my affair. "'Will you take me to Mehmet? "'What do you say, gentlemen?' "'Böhme nodded. "'I think we owe some reparation. "'Under promise of absolute secrecy, then?' "'Of course, now that you trust me. "'But you'll show me everything, honour bright. "'Wreck, depot, and all?' Everything, if you don't object to a diver's dress. Victory! I cried in triumph. We've won our point, Davis. And now, gentlemen, I don't mind saying that as far as I'm concerned, the joke's at an end, and in spite of your kind offer, I must start for England tomorrow, under the good Herr Böhme's wing. And in case my elastic conscience troubles you, for I see you think me a weathercock, here are the letters received this morning. "'establishing my identity as a humble but respectable clerk "'in the British Civil Service, "'summoned away from his holiday by a tyrannical superior. "'I pulled out my letters and tossed them to Dolman. "'Ah, you don't read English easily, perhaps? "'I dare say Herr Böhme does.' "'Leaving Böhme to study dates, postmarks, and contents to his heart's content, "'and unobserved,' I turned to sympathise with my fair neighbour, who complained that her head was going round, and no wonder. But at this juncture, and very much to my surprise, Davis struck in. "'I should like to go to Mehmet,' he said. "'You?' said von Brüning. "'Now I'm surprised at that.' "'But you won't be staying here either, Davis,' I objected. "'Yes, I shall.' said Davis. Why, I told you I should. If you leave me in the lurch like this, I must have time to look round. You needn't pretend that you cannot sail alone, said von Brüning. It's much more fun with two. I think I shall wire for another friend. Meanwhile, I should like to see Mehmet. That's only an excuse, I'm afraid, said I. I want to shoot ducks, too pursued Davis, reddening. I always have wanted to, and you promised to help in that, Commander. You can't get out of it now, I laughed. Certainly not, said he, unmoved. But honestly, I should advise Herr Davis, if he is ever going to get home this season, to make the best of this fine weather. It's too fine, said Davis. I prefer wind. "'If I cannot get a friend, I think I shall stop cruising, "'leave the yacht here, and come back for her next year.' "'There was some mute telegraphy between the Allies. "'You can leave her in my charge,' said Dolman, "'and start with your friend to-morrow.' "'Thanks, but there is no hurry,' said Davis, "'growing redder than ever. "'I like Norderney, and we might have another sail in your dinghy, Fräulein,' "'he blurted out. "'Thank you,' she said, in that low, dry voice I had heard yesterday. "'But I think I shall not be sailing again. It is getting too cold.' "'Oh, no,' said Davis. "'It's splendid.' But she had turned to von Brüning, and took no notice. "'Well, send me a report about Mehmet, Davis,' I laughed, with the idea of drawing attention from his rebuff. But Davis, having once delivered his soul, seemed to have lost his shyness, and only gazed at his neighbour with the placid, dogged expression that I knew so well. 
that was the end of those delicate topics, and conviviality grew apace. I am not indifferent at any time to good wine and good cheer, nor was it for lack of pressing that I drank as sparingly as I was able, and pretended to a greater elation than I felt. Nor certainly was it from any fine scruples as to the character of the gentleman whose hospitality we were receiving, scruples which I knew affected Davis, who ate little and drank nothing. In any case he was adamant in such matters, and I verily believe would at any time have preferred our own little paraffin-flavoured messes to the best dinner in the world. It was a very wholesome caution that warned me not to abuse the finest brain-tonic ever invented by the wit of man. I had finessed Mehmet, as one finesses a low card when holding a higher, but I had too much respect for our adversaries to trade on any fancied security we had won thereby. They had allowed me to win the trick, but I credited them with a better knowledge of my hand than they chose to show. On the other hand, I hugged the axiom that in all conflicts it is just as fatal to underrate the difficulties of your enemy as to overrate your own. Their chief one, and it multiplied a thousandfold the excitement of the contest, was, I felt sure, the fear of striking an error, of using a sledgehammer to break a nut. In breaking it they risked publicity, and publicity, I felt convinced, was death to their secret. So, even supposing they had detected the finesse, and guessed that we had in fact got wind of imperial designs, yet even so, I counted on immunity so long as they thought we were on the wrong scent, with Mehmet and Mehmet alone as the source of our suspicions. Had it been necessary, I was prepared to encourage such a view, admitting that the cloth von Brüning wore had made his connection with Mehmet curious, and had suggested to Davis, for I should have put it on to him, with his naval enthusiasms, that the wreck-works were really naval defence-works. If they went farther, and suspected that we had tried to go to Mehmet that very day, the position was worse, but not desperate, for the fear that they would take the final step, and suppose that we had actually got there and overheard their talk, I flatly refused to entertain, until I should find myself under arrest. Precisely how near we came to it I shall never rightly know, but I have good reason to believe that we trembled on the verge. The main issue was fully enough for me, and it was only in passing flashes that I followed the play of the warring undercurrents. And yet, looking back on the scene, I would warrant there was no party of seven in Europe that evening where a student of human documents would have found so rich a field, such noble and ignoble ambitions, such base and holy fears, ay, and such pitiful agonies of the spirit. Roughly divided though we were into separate camps, no two of us were wholly at one. Each wore a mask in the grand imposture, excepting, I am inclined to think, the lady on my left, who, outside her own well-being, which she cultivated without reserve, had, as far as I could see, but one axe to grind, the intimacy of von Brüning and her stepdaughter, and ground it openly. Not even Böhme and von Brüning were wholly at one, and as moral distances are reckoned, Davis and I were leagues apart. 
sitting between Dolman and Dolman's daughter, the living and breathing symbols of the two polar passions he had sworn to harmonize, he kept an equilibrium which, though his aims were nominally mine, I could not attain to. For me the man was the central figure. If I had attention to spare, it was on him that I bestowed it, groping disgustfully after his hidden springs of action, noting the evidences of great gifts squandered and prostituted, questioning where he was most vulnerable, whom he feared most, us or his colleagues, whether he was open to remorse or shame, or whether he meditated further crime. The girl was incidental. After the first shock of surprise, I had soon enough discovered that she, like the rest, had assumed a disguise, for she was far too innocent to sustain the deception, and yesterday was fresh in my memory. I was forced to continue turning her assumed character to account, but it would be pharisaical in me to say that I rose to any moral heights in her regard. Wine and excitement had deadened my better nature to that extent. I thought she looked prettier than ever, and, as time passed, I fell into a cynical carelessness about her. This glimpse of her home life, and the desperate expedients to which she was driven, whether by compulsion or from her own regard for Davis, to repel and dismiss him, did not strike me as they might have done as the crowning argument in favour of the course we had adopted the night before, that of compassing our end with noise and scandal, disarming Dolman, but aiding him to escape from the allies he had betrayed. To Davis, the man, if not a pure abstraction, was at most a noxious vermin to be trampled on for the public good, while the girl, in her black-guardly surroundings, and with her sinister future, had become the very source of his impulse. And the other players? Burma was my abstraction, the fortress whose foundations we were sapping, the embodiment of that systemized force which is congenital to the German people. In von Brüning the personal factor was uppermost. Callous as I was this evening, I could not help wondering occasionally, as he talked and laughed with Clara Dolman, what in his innermost thoughts, knowing her father, he felt and meant. It is a point I cannot and would not pursue, and, thank heaven, it does not matter now. Yet, with fuller knowledge of the fact, and, I trust, a mellower judgment, I often return to the same debate, and, by I know not what illogical bypaths, always arrive at the same conclusion, that I like the man, and like him still. We behaved as sportsmen in the matter of time, giving them over two hours to make up their minds about us. It was only when tobacco smoke and heat brought back my faintness, and a twinge of cramp warned me that human strength has limits, that I rose and said we must go, that I had to make an early start tomorrow. I am hazy about the farewells, but I think Herr Dolman was the most cordial, to me at any rate, and I augured good therefrom. Boomer said he should see me again. Von Brüning, though bound for the harbour also, considered it was far too early to be going yet, and said good-bye. "'You want to talk us over,' I remember saying, with the last flicker of gaiety I could muster. 
we were in the streets again, under a silver breathless night, dizzily footing the greasy ladder again, in the cabin again, where I collapsed on a sofa just as I was, and slept such a deep and stringent sleep that the men of the Blitz's launch might have handcuffed and trussed and carried me away, without incommoding me in the least. End of chapter 24